haven't seen that. I haven't seen that one yet. It's on my Netflix. But I haven't seen that one yet. I had the presence of mind to um, finish eating the large bite of chicken fried rice that I'd taken <laughs> for answering the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I got up. I got up. I was like, oh, so I'm just trying to Skype on. And then I go, no, I'm kind of a little hungry. And then I went, oh, that's what I forgot to do. Eat. Eat lunch. Chomp. On Skype. Chomp. Uh, well, uh, here we are. The first episode ends with me just eating sushi while Whitney talks. Like and the, like, honestly, that was like the first three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before I instate, I'm, I'm saying that I instated, but I think a, a Mark doesn't get to eat rule was instated. Mm. Yeah, no, I thought to myself, it's like, they won't mind if I like eat lunch while we talk. And then I was like, wait, eating is the positively the most annoying podcast sound. Maybe I won't do that. <laughs> And I'm one of those people who is like, I, I go into like a, a blood rage. I'm I'm triggered into, into madness by the sounds of chewing. So that's why the first three episodes of the podcast ended in blood rage. <laughs> yeah, also because I hate you so much. Uh, speaking, yeah. speaking of the podcast, hey, it's I haven't seen that. <laughs> it's a podcast <laughs> with me, Whitney, and that guy, Mark, and our special guest this week is. Susanna Polo, who Hi. is writer and co-founder of the Mary Sue, and a friend. And we're glad Hi. to have her talk about things she has and hasn't seen. This is this the first time that I've that I've met the person before they have appeared on our podcast? Yes. Because no, I, don't, I actually don't know the answer to that. <laughs> well, I guess I guess not my friend Eliza because I knew her. But most yeah, people, was, this I think this is like the the only time it's been somebody that we have both met in person. Yeah. Which would only, I'd met Suzanne a number of times before, but you met her the first time only, but two days ago. Yeah, Two days. Um, one of so, my, uh, one of my friends for a while was a, uh, was an intern at, uh, what's the, what's the NPR station in New York? Like the New York NPR. WNYC. Station. WNYC. And she was interning for Leonard Lopate. And I guess the thing with Leonard Lopate is, like the first day, they were like, "The thing is, Leonard likes to bring food into the booth, but he's not supposed to." So every day, she'd have to be like, "Mr. Lopate, you can't, you can't bring those sun chips in with you." <laughs> He'd be like bringing in sub sandwiches and stuff, and she'd have to like conf- confiscate them um, before he before he run went on air. on his big old hoagie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard Lopate's six foot party sub that's too it like it the door of the booth is open because because <laughs> um, there's so much party and so yeah. much sub mm-hmm. so Susanna this is what we ask everyone what's something you haven't seen um right now the the big thing that I haven't seen is uh, the television show Gotham oh yeah because oh. everybody wants my opinion on it as, uh, as you are a nerd uh yeah, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an expert in that field. Yeah. Um, particularly in the field of, of, of bat, Batman studies, Batmanology. Um, and everybody keeps, but everything people keep telling me about the show makes it sound like something I wouldn't enjoy. Right. <laughs> and I, I finally went online to be like, okay, today I'm going to watch some Gotham. And they didn't have the first episode online anymore. So I was like, well. You were like, yes. 
that's the end. <laughs> a sign from Bat God. Yeah, it's impossible. Now, there's no, there are absolutely no other slightly illegal ways to watch that television show. <laughs> or, Not or, that I know. You know or even legal but slight money costing ways. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it is, you know, it, the laws of physics. It's gone forever. Yeah. Until it shows up on Netflix in like a year and a half. Yeah, you know, you just pretend that it's like 1993. Yeah. And, and, yeah. You'll, you'll never see that episode of The X Files unless yeah. you get lucky someday. <laughs> I haven't seen Gotham, and all I know about it is that it's very, like, on the nose with its. Yeah. Like, it's like, that man, Edward Nigma, he certainly is an enigma. You might even say he's a real riddle that someone Urgh. might have. <laughs> I mean, I mean. To be fair, in that case, Edward Nigma is the canonical name of the Riddler. I know, yeah. which is just like uh, there are there are some real uh, there's some real like the canonical name of of the Clock King, Batman villain, um, is Tempest Fugit. Uh, That's a name that people have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How reasonable. Yeah, and there are a few I can't I can't think of any that are really on the nose, just the ones that are weird. Like the the Mad Hatter's real name is Jervis Tetch. Oh, oh no, um Calendar Man. Calendar Man's real name is Julian Day. That is uh, a name. Like that's a real name. Yeah, that that took me like a an like extra half a second and then I was furious. <laughs> so things that send Whitney into a blood rage. The sound of eating puns. <laughs> I I you we all know, you know, everyone feels the same way about puns. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> Clearly they're usually, not. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing, whenever I hear a pun, it's just mostly the anger that I didn't think of it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that when they were naming this uh, Calendar Man. What's oh, his, yeah. What's his thing? He kills people according to the calendar. Uh, he, he does date-themed crimes. Um, so, like, he'll steal something Monday-themed on Monday. Or like, like the moon. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> he's he's never like. There are two versions of Calendar Man that are actually genuinely interesting. Kind of one's kind of interesting, and the other one's like, why didn't that just become cal the Calendar Man story? Um, one of them is uh, appears in a graphic novel called The Long Halloween, where another villain shows up, um, committing crimes according to the calendar, called Holiday, <clears throat> who like murders people once a month on that month holiday and batman keeps going to arkham and visiting calendar man who's like really annoyed that his brand is being taken <laughs> oh, Se september must be a good month when the when holiday is on, <laughs> is on the prowl yeah. and then um batman the animated series introduced they they're they revamped a lot of villains for the show like they made mr freeze worth talking about yeah yeah um and <clears throat> so he was just like a diamond thief before that with a cold gun um and uh they made Calendar Woman, who oh. was a... A real um, bitch every month? Oh, she, God. She, <laughs> she was an ex-model She was an ex -model who um, had been told she was too old to model and undergone, like, tons of plastic surgery and was still told, despite the fact that she was beautiful, that she couldn't have a career anymore because she was past, you know, 28 or whatever. And, um, and she went crazy... Um, and went on a year-long campaign of each season. She kidnapped and murdered someone who had turned her down. Um, Wait, each nice. season of the show? 
Uh, no, each season like of, of the like, year. Okay, okay. I was like, man, that's awesome. He never catches her. In. Yeah, yeah. And um, no, she only had one episode, but it's like that's so. And then you know the the reveal at the end is that they finally pull her like bleak, terrifying white tragedy mask off, and she's beautiful underneath it. Like there's nothing wrong with her face. She's you know thirty. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. And then, and then the, the only thing about the episode that bugs me is that um, Batgirl is the one who's like, I don't understand, she's beautiful. And then Batman is like, all she can see is, you know, the flaws. And I'm like, really, Batman? Like, like I think a woman would have a better idea of what's going on. <laughs> Good looking out, Batman. <laughs> yeah. Um, Batman the Animated Series, best, best Batman. Oh, yeah. I would say so. Yes. Definitely best Batman voice. Yes, absolutely. I was I was thinking the other day that I really want to see an Elseworlds that like what if Batman dot 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 and it's just like instead of becoming a mass vigilante he just he just does the philanthropy part and he opens up like a youth center and stuff and crime in Gotham just drops immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh shit like it turns out that if you just have these individual crazy guys but they don't have a pool of low level criminals to recruit from. Like, they can do, like, one crime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they never never get that vendetta going. Yeah. They never have, like, a single person to focus their ire on. And they just move on. They go fight Green Arrow. It's like the the killing joke, like the the Joker backstory, only they're like, your wife didn't die at the hospital because we had up-to-date equipment, and he just (laughs) never becomes the Joker. Thanks to yeah. thanks to a, a, a donation from the Wayne Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> so you want the money solves everything? Basically, well, I mean, this is the thing. the 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 tragedy of Batman is that Gotham still sucks. Like that, you yeah. can't have you can't have Batman like capturing all the criminals and ending all crime because then, like, so Gotham always has to be a terrible place. But that means <laughs> that Batman's been operating. As a mass vigilante for 20 years, and it's still, like, crime-ridden and awful. Yeah. That's the thing that I think the the Nolan movies sort of missed in the end. I mean, there are a lot of things wrong with The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. But, but the like, the basic... I mean, that just breaks... If Batman can escape being Batman and be happy leaving Gotham alone, like, that just breaks the entire idea. It's like, then I guess he never needed to be Batman. (laughs) Yeah, like, I guess he just needed to be the right lady. Broads. <laughs> oh. um, I, I, I haven't seen Gotham, but a couple weeks ago when I saw the Thrilling Adventure Hour uh, live at the Bell House, mm-hmm. uh, the the two fellas from there, uh, Ben McKenzie and uh, Donald Logue, were in the show as uh, part of a a loving robot threesome that were raising a human baby. Aww, <laughs> they were very sweet. Now is that ben going Mc- to be introduced in Gotham? I hope so. I hope so. That 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 uh, Jim Gordon is actually a gay robot. Oh <laughs> uh, man, that 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 means such insane things for Batgirl. Oh man, permutations of that in canon, yeah. Yeah, that, oh, I mean, it, it holds up if she's like you know his human baby. Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, she's she's adopted in a number of continuities anyway. Um, she's not always his daughter. Sometimes she's his niece who he's adopted, um, which makes a lot more sense when like his wife's name is Barbara and also his daughter's name is Barbara. <laughs> Like, that's a little weird. And then his son's name is also Jim. His son's it's name also is also Barbara. Barbara. 
Yeah, no, like in the new 52, they made they made Barbara Gordon his daughter. And so now James Gordon has two children that are named after their parents. Just like this, like uh, <laughs> Jaden and Willow Smith. Yes. Or like George Foreman. Uh, swap. Or John <laughs> Benet Ramsey. Oh, is that a... Her dad's name is John Bennett. Oh, creepy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I was thinking of, of George Foreman and all of his sons named George. Oh. That... <laughs> That's less creepy. Um, but he has like five. Five sons named George, and then a grill named George. <laughs> five <laughs> sons named George? Sorry, go ahead. I said, do you think he ever gets them mixed up with the grill? Yes. <laughs> Throw some tra- shrimp on George. It's like, George 4, why isn't why isn't your, 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 your grease trap draining? <laughs> I'm a human boy! <laughs> uh, five sons? If his grill could get a visit from the Blue Fairy. Oh. And <laughs> George Six comes alive. Uh, five Sons Named George sounds like a novelty song that would be huge in England in, like, like way later than it should be. Like 1978, yeah. and the novelty song Five Sons Named George is huge in England. <laughs> it's just all, all, like, acoustic guitar strumming and, you know, telling this, this story of you know, the farmer who had a son named George, and then another son named George, and then another son named George. No, and then one more son named George. Well, their mom wanted their names to rhyme, so. <laughs> George Borge. What's <laughs> um, the behind Pete and Pete? Oh, yeah. So far as I'm aware. Is that the reason why they're both named Pete is because their mom wanted her son's names to rhyme. <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, that, I, that I haven't seen since since it was on. Uh, it's so good. Have you seen The Flash? I've watched a few episodes of it, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of fun. Yeah. People have been very reticent. <laughs> like people are like, it's <laughs> good. It's it's I wouldn't go so far to say that it's good, but in a landscape of like totally gritty, depressing television superheroes, like <laughs> it's it's one of the few that's like, whoa, like, this guy gets superpowers and now he's going to do nice things. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, nice. Uh, he's going to do nice things as opposed to fighting his torment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, he's got some torment. Like, the Flash literally has a villain. Um, there's a villain who's called the Reverse Flash. And his superpowers are not that he moves really slowly. Which just <laughs> <laughs> um, he's also called Professor Zoom, which... I think it's a debate as to whether which of those is the better name. Oh, uh, I don't. I don't know a ton about the Flash. I mostly read um, uh, what was a uh, Kid Flash? Was that what he was yeah. called? Flash, Little Flash, Flash Junior, Speedy, yeah. Zoomy. No, Speedy is Speedy. is a yeah Green Arrow. Green Arrow and uh, is a is a ju- is either a junkie or has AIDS. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know enough about that to comment on it, but I know there's like a dead cat involved somewhere. Oh, yeah. I read a ton of Green Arrow, so that's like. I got mm-hmm. really into reading the like online like Wikipedia entries for the Flash. <laughs> not not <laughs> reading any of the actual stuff, but there's like there's a special death for speedsters. Like there's a avatar oh, yeah. of death. Yeah. That's specific, and he looks so cool. Uh, <laughs> He's like a jogging you're... skeleton. 
Oh, that's great. I know there's like the speed force that the Flash family taps into. And they're like, when Flash stories get really like metaphysical and crazy, it's all about like relativity and like, um, like in the Justice League cartoon, Flash's deepest fear was that someday he would never be able to slow down and that everything around him would just be really slow and he wouldn't be able to interact with the world anymore. And like, that's rough. Yeah. Hell. You what know. if it turns out that they've been draining the speed force and that the entire universe is slowing down and falling into entropy because they but used it, it to, like, tie up Gorilla Grodd? <laughs> Maybe they just are the source of all entropy. That's true. <gasps> Kill them! <laughs> there's uh, a really there's a song I really like um, called uh, The Ballad of Barry Allen by Jim Spiegigo. That's this really, like cool it's a very it has a very cool sound and it's just about how you know it's kind of depressing to be the flash because everything you're so fast and everything else is so slow yeah, yeah there's a there's a speed there's a, a fast character in um i think it's in 52 um which is a dc comics like it was like a yearly ser- year-long series and she just gets like she's on downers all the time mm. because in order to interact with regular people. Oh. And to be able to, like, watch television. Now, when yeah, I... I'm really frustrated and bored. Now, I, now when I, whenever I think about The Flash for a while, I think, what is the what is the origin of the name Barry? Is Barry short for something? Is it short for Barents? I think it's Bartholomew, <laughs> right? Yeah. That sounds plausible. Well, that, yeah, and there is, and uh, Bartholomew, I think, uh, the kid Flash was, was Bartholomew. He was but- Bart. But also, like, Bartholomew Allen is, like, kind of a... That's that's not a balanced name. <laughs> you gotta be Bart Allen or... Actually, yeah. wait, no. So, I was reading something that was saying that, like, a good name for, like, publishing, uh, like, techno thrillers is if you've got a really long first name and then a, a fairly short last name. So you can mm-hmm. do your first name in small type at the top and then your <laughs> last name in huge letters beneath it like cornelius grift yeah yeah so barth <laughs> so ba- what i'm presupposing is is that barry allen writes techno thrillers i mean i guess he would have the time yeah so, no, but but if it's bartholomew allen yeah yeah it would be uh, under under allen. the uh, he, so he fights crime as as barry allen the flash and yeah. writes uh techno thrillers as bartholomew allen i mean he has the time to do it yeah it makes yeah. sense yeah. Um, ah, superheroes. They're yeah. so dumb. <laughs> I mean, I won't disagree with you. No. I mean, I obviously I can't I can't escape it. It's it's yeah. it's it's in my blood. <laughs> like those midichlorians. Uh, those uh, aren't. That's not. Hey, no. But yeah. Watch your mouth. <laughs> Is so? Are they? So are midichlorians going to be in the new Star Wars? God, well. I guess they are canonical. With the new they, star, they're like they're part of the source material that they're pulling from. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to mention them. She said desperately. Everyone <laughs> forgot about midichlorians. No, no one forgot. <laughs> no, everyone tries, but they can't. Hey, if Obi Wan and Yoda didn't tell Luke about midichlorians, <laughs> well, like, yeah, how, because it definitely. I guess their ghosts could tell him about it. It definitely like. It would kind of cut the mystique if instead of being like, oh, it's strong with you, they're like, you've got a high concentration. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Jedi blood test. Yeah. Blood works. 
I feel like, Mark, I feel like you've been saving up all of your nerdiest questions for when Susanna was <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we started talking about Gotham, so I figured, I figured I'm just rolling the dice here. So we'll talk. We'll talk about Star Wars for a while, and then straight on into into the into Middle Earth. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you do that all day. Oh yes, I could. Uh, um, it's, it's almost time for the year in in Lord of the Rings to start to gear up again, right? I'm super excited. I, I, it's like it's such a it's a it's. I get all, I get too excited. Um, it was just so nice. Oh, the, anyway, the, I have a thing, yeah, yeah. Talk about your. Yeah, yeah. I have a thing that I do that I started doing this summer. Um, so I reread the Lord of the Rings last year, and it was like, you know what? I really want. I want like a Google Calendar alert that tells me when things happen in the Lord of the Rings. Oh, because because it uses like our year. Like it's yeah, 12, yeah. Because the Hobbit uh, Tolkien, the Hobbit calendar has twelve months. Um, you know, they, like, things are described in The Lord of the Rings as happening on, you know, in September or in March or whatever, and they're given specific dates, and you can work it out. And then in the back of, like, The Return of the King and the appendices, Tolkien just has a calendar where he, where he just writes down when everything happened. Like, um, I've read stuff about how he, like, got to a certain point in The Lord of the Rings and realized that he needed it to be a full moon, and that meant that he would have to rewrite, like, three chapters, so he did. Oh my god. <laughs> That's our boy J.R.R. Yeah. Um, so I had some time over this summer, and I just, in absence of finding an app or, you know, a public Google Calendar or something, I just started making a Google Calendar of all of the stuff that happened in The Lord of the Rings. And I didn't really intend to do anything with it um, until I just started idly, like, tweeting, like, important things in March. Just being like, oh, like, you know. Here's, you know, today's the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. Let me just, I'll tweet about that. Surely some of my followers will be interested. Um, we were. And then, <laughs> and then this summer I started just tweeting in, cause in, it wasn't even the summer, it was September. Because like mid-September, or September 22nd is Bilbo's birthday and it's also the day that Frodo leaves on the ring quest. And then like everything, and then it's like it's like a period of twenty days is like him getting to Rivendell and like all the Black Rider stuff and like getting stabbed and what is happening? And yeah, it's just like all of that stuff happens in like twenty days. And then like nothing happens. The Council of Elrond is on October twenty fifth, and then um, and then nothing happens until Christmas. Christmas when the Fellowship leaves Rivendell. Oh, that's pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. To spend yeah. the holidays uh, in Rivendell. Yeah, yeah. The Thanksgiving in Rivendell is great. Is it though, or do they just all eat like salad? Mm. No, there are some pretty well described feasts in there. I think. Yeah. Uh, this is as 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 you know. I have never successfully finished reading The Lord of the Rings, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> which uh, is fine. <laughs> Like, it took me three tries to get all the way through The Lord of the Rings. Um, I bet I haven't tried in a good, like, over ten years. Yeah. It might be worth giving it another go. Yeah, I mean, like, there there are parts of The Lord of the... Like, the, I'm sure if I was writing this on the Mary Sue, people would show up in the comments and start yelling at me. But there are... There's no comments here, darling. The You're Lord safe. Of the Rings, yeah, no. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings... Tolkien is a great... Historian and a great linguist. Yes. He's not a particularly good novelist. Yeah. 
Um, like the fact that at the <coughs> the like the two the back half of the two towers is oh no wait I'm getting this all wrong. Um, yeah, so you, you start reading The Return of the King, which is the last book in the whole goddamn thing. And you have just finished the back half of the two towers, which is Frodo and Sam walking to a place for like five chapters, um, realizing that they can't enter Mordor from that place, um, and spending the rest of the book walking to a different place. <laughs> um, but at one point in there, they get captured, but they get released, like the next day. Um, and then at the end of the book, they get captured in this cliffhanger. And then you, um, you start the Return of the King, and it's like Gimli and Legolas and Aragorn doing shit. And like Gandalf is back, and he is doing shit. And they, like there's the Battle of Pelennor Fields, and it's amazing. And then they get done, and they're like, we're going, we have to go take the fight to Sauron because we need to convince him that we have the ring, which means that we need to do something suicidally dangerous. To convince him that the only reason anyone would be doing this would be if they had the power of the ring and they claimed it for their own and they were planning on using it against him. So they take an army of like a couple thousand people um, and march it to the Black Gates of Mordor. And they're like, hey, we're here to overthrow you. And you're like tens of thousands of orcs. We're going to get you. Um, and then the Black Gates of Sauron open. It is shown that Sau Sauron reveals that he has, like, Frodo's mithril shirt and, like, some other stuff that Frodo and Sam had, which, like, leads the reader to believe that, like, Frodo and Sam have been captured and it's all over and Sauron has the ring and he's going to kill everyone. Um, and then they, Tolkien cuts that battle off before you find out exactly what happens, whether they win or lose. And then you are treated to Frodo and Sam depressed, walking across Mordor, you just go right back, you rewind, <laughs> and you have to, like, and it's just, it's it's an incredible, like, the Frodo and Sam stuff is, it's a great meditation on, on depression and on, um, on, like, sickness and on, <clears throat> like, sort of acceptance, the acceptance of death and um, pushing forward with determination even when you have no hope in sight. But it is also just a couple of characters walking. <laughs> like, <laughs> walking with, with Gollum, who's like the most annoying little shit. <laughs> just trudging. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, just misery. Um, and, then, and then finally you get like halfway through the return. Yeah, you get halfway through the return of the king and the ring is destroyed and the rest of it is... Um, the rest of it is all the aftermath, um, but that's like, and the just you know, you gotta. It's the whole the 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 time jump in the in the Lord of the Rings, and it's just it's 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 great history writing. It's not particularly great for the reader, and I, I totally like. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd, um, but I totally respect people who don't who are just like I couldn't finish the book, and I'm like that like I'm not gonna. That's that's a no judgment zone. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously a huge Lord of the Rings movie nerd. <laughs> yeah, and I, I very much enjoy the movies. Um, Since I got a lot of people, like, every time, I, I, every every so often, every, like, you know, ten comments I'd make, someone would be like, but in the book, this! <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I try my best not to be an asshole. <laughs> there there really, were many. 
I think I so I read Lord of the Rings fairly recently, and I tried a bunch in like middle school because I was like, I was like, I'm a nerd. <laughs> I should yeah. be reading this, right? And I never got past like hobbits have hairy feet. Hobbits are good at crafts. Hobbits like <laughs> jigs, and just being like, what's happening? Like in the very beginning <laughs> of the first book, they, there's like a taxonomy of things that hobbits like. Yeah, when um, I tried to read it in in middle school or high school, I, I I think I got like eighty pages in, and I'm like, they haven't left the fucking Shire. You crashed <laughs> upon those rocks. But then, so I read those. Then I read The Hobbit again, and like, which I hadn't read since like fifth grade. And the great thing about The Hobbit, well, like one of the things that I find the most fascinating about it is at the end, like he returns to the Shire, and it's become like fascist Birmingham. Like, like they're like smelting stuff and like they're black shirts. And it's, it's like a really weird, it does not fit in tonally with like, I think anything else in the Hobbit also, and also the Lord of the Rings. But I was really hoping that at the end of Return of the King, he'd go back to the Shire and it's shitty and fascist again. And he'd be like, ah, they'd have to beat up some guys. In the book, um, one of my biggest beefs with the with the Return of the King is um, is that is that it has five different endings, but none of them are the right one. Um, that there's this thing there's this thing in the book called the Scouring of the Shire that Peter Jackson left out entirely from the movies um, because it's hella depressing and it entirely changes like the tenor of the end of the Lord of the Rings, where um, after that Sauron Saruman doesn't die at um, Orthanc. He escapes from it, and he's been stripped of his powers, and he basically decides that this is all the fault of the hobbits, and he is going back to the Shire, and he is going to fuck shit up for them. Oh, wait! They are, they wait, are is tricksy. that in Return of the King? I thought that was in The Hobbit. No, it's the end of The Return of the King. Yeah, the oh! It's is peaceful and happy. I completely yeah, conflated. <laughs> okay, so... so Hobbit Bill comes back, and like his relatives are trying to sell off his house and his belongings, and he literally walks up at the open auction in front of Bag End, and is like, I, list, I hello, I am back. Is it those, is it those nasty Sackville Bagginses? The Sackville Bagginses. Okay, so so what I was describing is not the thing that happens at the end of the Hobbit. Was, it's what's was, actually in the yeah, end. Yeah, as you were saying it, I was like, I'm wondering about that. Like, I didn't want to. Yeah, the Hobbit I've read a bunch of times because that's like that's a that's a kids book. You can read that when you. I read that bunch when I was a kid, and I also watched over and over and over again the uh, Rankin Bass Hobbit. Uh, I I have not seen that. Oh man, you deserve that uh, that really weird '70s treat. I've read a lot about it. I, I, when I was in high school, back in the days when, um, back in the days before, you know, YouTube and and forums, um, I discovered the Tolkien sarcasm website, which I think still. Oh my god, that sounds familiar. Yeah, and and it had among other things um, a like like mystery science theater style snarky takedown of Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that um, I, I haven't I haven't seen the Lord of the Rings. Like the, the 70s era hairstyles that they have on everybody and how like Boromir's wearing a skirt. Yeah. And the Balrog apparently looks just like super lame. And then and then it just cuts off in the middle of the two towers. Yeah, like, it never finishes. I think yeah. I have I have that downloaded on my computer and I have somehow never really really gotten down to watching it. Yeah, I have, I have, um, I, I backed the Kickstarter for, um, Manos, the Hands of Felt. Ah! Tell which, me more. 
<laughs> which is a, um, and I got the video of it, and it's on my computer, and I've never watched it, but it's, it is a live puppet show retelling <laughs> of Manos the Hands of Fate. Oh, my God. Yeah, with, like, like sexy puppet wives wrestling. and Oh, my God. Yeah, like puppet Torgo, you know. And, I, and I've, had it on my <laughs> I've had it on my computer for, like, two years, and I haven't watched it. I have, I have, I own the MST3K uh manos mm -hmm. and i have never watched it the whole way through because i fall asleep literally every time oh, <laughs> i think i think my it's like my body's self-defense yeah it's like this like, is the worst movie that's ever been made you just need to go away until it's gone i should give it another go i think i still ha i definitely have to have still have that dvd somewhere unless i tossed it out on the street during some move <laughs> but i have a copy of eastern promises that i've never watched oh you should watch that yeah i know that very good. If you would like to see Christian Bale's penis, you what? Can see it. Oh, Christian Bale. Sorry. What's the other guy? Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen's oh. dick is in that movie. Well, you can probably see Christian Bale's dick in some movie. Oh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm way more interested in seeing Viggo Mortensen's dick. Naked ass in American Psycho, but I haven't seen that. Either his ass or American Psycho. Same. You haven't seen American Psycho? I have not. Uh, Mark, you also I have, have not seen American Psycho either. I I uh, I recommend it. I've seen it a, a number of times. And I mean, as long as I know that there's, I don't know, I feel like that's one of those things that like your certain bro kind of misinterprets and thinks right. it's like super cool and great. Yeah. Just like, it's like, no, this is yeah, dark and horrible. <laughs> yeah. I didn't watch Fight Club until I was like out of college. And I think that's definitely something like if I'd seen this in late middle school or high school. I saw Fight Club. I think it, well, I think it came out around the time I was, uh, had just turned 18 or I was 17 because it was right when I had finished high school and was getting ready to go to college and I was like super into it when I was nervous about going yeah. to college. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. Yeah, mayhem. And it would have been even worse if I were a boy. <laughs> but yeah, rough times. <laughs> that's what, oh, that's what we're, I, I definitely like that movie is still super good and, and, but the oh. book maybe not as much. Yeah. Um, wait, so, so there was a so my wife was watching Criminal Minds. She's she's into that show. And there's an episode with uh about like illegal fight clubs and as the, opposed to the legal fight well, clubs. Well, I guess I that's guess. like UFC, but um like a boxing Yeah, but so the main like the dude running the fight club is Doug Jones. Oh, and so the whole time I I kept expecting him to like pull his head off and throw it from one hand to the other, or like like his jaw unhinges, but he doesn't. He's just unnerving, um, and it's skinny. Always, it's always great when he shows up in things just as himself. Yeah, um, he's in John dies at the end. Yeah, he is. Yeah, have have you guys have you seen that? I have seen it, and I've read the book. I've read Same the book here. I wow. Number of times. Wow, guys, wow. is this the first time that we, no. like, we've all seen something? Or, like, no, freak <laughs> that, that happens all the time. That happens all the time, and it's usually Deep Space Nine. Well, no, but also having read the book. I feel like the book is an important, because I oh, read yeah, the book, too. I read the book back when it was um, on the internet, before it was a book. Mm. Yeah, I read, I read I read a hard copy because a friend of mine in college had one and he made us all read it and it is half of the reason why I spent a night in college with my bed pulled out from the wall. Oh. <laughs> just, like I'm not I'm not a horror person. 
It's you got know, creepy shit in it. Yeah, like I will, I will, I will tolerate horror if it is, you know, like I've watched Alien because I understand that it is important historically. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't have gotten through John Dies at the end if it hadn't been so funny. Yeah. Um, but I was reading John Dies at the end, and in college, I the light switch was far away from my bed in my dorm room, so I um, I would read in bed with a headlamp. Adorable. Um, yeah, and uh, and the battery on my headlamp was going, and so it was just this little tiny gray circle of light, and I'm sitting, oh. I'm sitting reading this book, and then all of a sudden a spider just crawls by on the wall next to me, and I'm like, oh. no! <laughs> to kill it, like, I tried, like, three times, and then it just dropped into the radiator that ran along the wall next to my bed, and I was like, well... Uh, I'm just gonna pull my bed out a foot from the wall and uh, go to sleep. <laughs> Say a couple of uh, hail marys. And... Yeah, just... that's a, for thematic like book freakouts. I read House of Leaves. Um, oh my god! I've, I think I, I've told this story before. I read House of Leaves. Um, it was the day before I was moving, like moving out of my stuff from my dorm to go home. For the first time since my parents had gotten divorced and all of my dad's stuff was gone. So so I was I was reading it in my dorm room where all of my things had been packed up and everything was empty before going to a house that I was familiar with, but where everything was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out great. I didn't sleep for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I read it in like in eighth grade in three days. Um, like, well, like, basically, I didn't sleep for three days, and, like... That's not a... Oh, that's a... That was a rough book to read as, like, a 19-year-old, let alone as a... It was bad news bears. (laughs) Like, it was... (laughs) It was one of those things where, like, when I was a kid, we would go to the bookstore fairly often, and, like, books were a thing that my parents really didn't mind, like, picking up. So, like, we'd go to the yeah. bookstore, and there'd be, like, I'd, I'd find something, I'd pick it up, and your parents would be like, okay, fine. And I, I remember getting House of Leaves, and my parents were, my, my dad was like, well, that'll last you for a while. And it didn't. <laughs> and Devoured it. It's funny how, like, when you're a kid, the things that, the things that, like, de facto, there's no parental control over. Yeah. Or, like, 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 my parents were like, you can't watch MTV. But they didn't really keep track of what I was reading at all. Yeah. Um, my, um, I don't know if you guys have read Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. I haven't. Uh, I haven't read that. But it was the second book I bought on my Kindle when I first <laughs> got a Kindle like five years ago. Because and it was still, thema- it was thematically <laughs> accurate. I don't know. It's just like well, I was just like the first the first thing I ever bought was on my Kindle was Guards Guards by Terry Pratchett. <laughs> Yeah. Which I then did read, and then I bought Snow Crash, which I have never even, like, clicked on the first page. Right. I used yeah. to read Snow Crash, like, oh, just over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it works really well as, like, like, a book to read fast. Yeah. And then, and then three days later, you can't remember what the plot beats were. Yeah. Which is kind of like a, like a weirdly thematic thing with Neil Stevenson novels. You get to the end of them, and you feel like it all worked out together when you get to the end of it. You're like, okay, I understand how all of these parts came together. And then three days later, you're like, I don't actually remember what happened uh, at all. Um, Guys, you, you're... Some samurai swords and a giant boat. Sounds good. 
Yeah, and a lot of Sumerian mythology that most people think is the most boring part of the book. I don't. Oh, that sounds like super interesting. Oh yeah. Well, you Um, own it. (laughs) There is a a one incredibly just. um, I don't want to say emphatically written sex scene Mm. in that book that has no like. And my mother read Snow Crash before she gave it to me, Um, and she she told me even at that age. And I was, and I, and I, I think that was seventh grade, so I was twelve or thirteen. Um, she said I considered just ripping out the pages of the sex scene around this. Book. <laughs> it's nothing to do with the plot, but I think you would enjoy it. Um, but I haven't, so here's this book. Yeah, that <laughs> and, is a that is not a great uh, sex scene. <laughs> it does no. not do sex like it. It does not do tribute to the act of sex very well i'm I'm gonna make a sweeping generalization and i feel like male authors tend to write bad sex scenes yeah and especially this is a sex scene written from the perspective of like a 17 year old girl i'm pretty sure yt is younger i'm Mm. sure she's underage yeah okay i was actually trying i was like (laughs) you're like oh maybe it wasn't gross nope nope we've gone we've gone full J.R.R. martin's with a guy who has an EKG in him wired to a nuclear bomb that he keeps in the side saddle of his motorcycle <laughs> so that people won't kill him. That his reputation is so bad and so wide that you shouldn't kill that guy because his motorcycle will wipe out the eastern seaboard. Like, also, <laughs> the physical descriptions of this man, like, like <laughs> part of the thing that he mentions is that like his, his neck is so thick that his head does not, it doesn't go in from his head to his neck. And so I just always imagine, like, a manatee with a beard walking around. <laughs> I'm just picturing George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and but it also, like, the funny thing about reading Snow Crash at that age is that at that age, like, you're still at a point where, like, grown-ups will mention things that have to do with sex, and you'll just assume it to be true because you don't know anything about sex. Right. You know what I mean? Such as? Well, in Snow Crash, um, YT, the female protagonist, um, continually mentions when she gets into shitty situations um, where she knows that she might be bodily threatened, she continually thinks, well, at least if they, sexu- if they sexually assault me, it'll be fine. I have my dentata. <laughs> and as a child, I was like, that just must be something about sex that I don't know about yet. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I guess that's just a thing that I don't know about yet. And it turns out what it is is um, a medical device that you put inside your vagina that has a needle in it with an incredibly high-powered sedative. So that as soon as a guy puts his erect penis in your vagina, he is injected with a very high-powered sedative and he falls asleep. That's a that's more <laughs> more charitable than I thought Dentata was going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, feel, oh, I feel like that's that's just a way to to uh, end up falling asleep on the dance floor by accident. <laughs> yeah, you make love just, in the club. no, I, no. I mean, like, I'm just imagining you, like, kind of getting, you know, you just get groovy. You get you're you're just by yourself. Yeah, you know, you're you're really about to, you know, win at the at the at dance dance off, and then you you just you know do do one hip gyration too far, and you just fall asleep. Because you poked yourself with your own internal. Yeah. I mean, or it's one of those vasovagal responses. Mm. Those are fun. Uh, yeah. 
I like the idea that we've just told you everything awful about Snow Crash. So now, oh, when, you re- <laughs> when you read it, you're not like you're not like, oh, this is terrible. I I kind of like this concept because I feel weird about recommending stuff to other people in general mm-hmm. at this point because uh, one thing that's notable about all of my friends is that they have opinions with like capital <laughs> O. So and I'm never sure if I'm gonna recommend something to somebody and they're gonna be like, this sucks and you suck. So I think that maybe doing like the art school crit thing where before anybody crits you, you immediately like are like, here's the things that suck about what I did. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm into recommending stuff with caveats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean like obviously I am I am a James Bond fan. <laughs> <laughs> And it was it was yesterday. It was one year since I started my James Bond Odyssey of watching all the James Bond movies. Looks yeah. like we made it. Look how far we've come up. Sorry. <laughs> and I only have five left. Yeah, I mean, we I say all these shitty things about Snow Crash, but I I genuinely love Neil Stevenson novels, and I will read everything that he puts out. And I think he's really like in terms of his. In terms of his ability to write endings to books, and you know, um, he's, really, he's really improved. Um, right. He's really improved, and like, like XKCD made gently made fun of Anathem for inventing a lot of words for it, but I think it, it might be his like, in my opinion, it's his best novel to date. And it's really? just like, yeah, I can't even like, and there's so you can't. The problem with Anathem is that the beginning of the book moves so slowly that you can't tell people what it's about without like spoiling one of its big reveals huh. <laughs> which is but um i should yeah, find, i think i've got a oh sorry go ahead anything has an epilogue which is like almost unheard of you just read his early stuff which they all end on these like like boot stomps of like the climax is over now we're done <laughs> yeah like, I think Snow Crash literally ends with a character saying, let's go home. <laughs> which is, like, which is right on the line with, like, the Lord of the Rings ends with Sam saying, well, I'm back. Well, that's great, though. Uh, yeah, I, is it? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that works, maybe that works better in the movie than in the books. It works great in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh... One of my other least favorite book endings ever, and this is a fault of printing mostly, um, is Dune. The like, yeah, the the like widespread trade paperback version of Dune, or at least the one that I have. Um, the the last page of the book is a right side page, and the last line of the book is a line of dialogue. And in the printing that I have, the line of dialogue is flush with the last line of text on the previous page. So it looks like there's more of the book. <laughs> you don't actually know it's over until you turn the page and there's nothing on the other side. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it just really takes all the wind out of it. Oh. I haven't read Dune since 8th grade. It's a- ninth, ninth grade, because I we had to, in, in my ninth grade biology class, we were supposed to read a book about science in some way and then write a paper about it, and I read Dune. I feel like that's a very good choice for that age. Yeah. And I like liter- I think almost literally everyone else in the class read Jurassic Park. Because <laughs> it was it was, you know, nineteen ninety six. So yeah. everyone and I read Dune and then wrote a little paper about uh b- about genetics. Mm. Yeah. I uh yeah. 
sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I read, uh, I read Dune fairly recently, and I was talking to a friend, like, when I was finishing up, and I was like, oh, Dune's great. And he's like, yeah, okay, here is where you are. Right now, you want to keep reading Dune. You want to read some more <laughs> Dune books. Don't do it, man. Don't make a mistake. Just reread Dune. It was like that Pulp Fiction scene about where, where Ving Rhames is like, that's pride, Biden at you. <laughs> man, I haven't seen Pulp Fiction in, like, straight up 15 years. Uh, yeah. I would be concerned. Well, yeah, you know, everything's... We all know a little bit more about Quentin these days. <laughs> his His desperate desire to be able to say the N-word. Yeah. Um, but mostly toes. But mostly toes. I don't care about that. Who cares? Um, I care deeply. Oh. No, not really. I mean, people do people do much weirder things. But normally they don't make movies out of them. So this this is um did you guys ever see the movie Powder? No. no. Is that a no on both? No, yes. yeah, that's no. Yeah. So that's a movie that came out in the nineties and it's about like a a kid whose mom gets struck by lightning and then he's born all super albino and he has and he has like magnetism powers and can control electricity, but it was directed by a convicted child child porn guy. Like he had been he had yeah. been convicted for for child pornography. And I I saw this movie like I saw it in the theater because you know I was I was fourteen and it was about like some sensitive magic pale child. I was way into it, <laughs> and then I saw it again as an adult and like after knowing this and oh and we were like oh my god how was this is inappropriate. <laughs> How is this man allowed to make it? So, because it's, it's like, okay, let's have slow motion child, you know, dumping water on himself and long shots of boys. Just a lot of shirtlessness of, of, of prepubescent and pubescent teens. It's just like, ah. So I'll take a, I'll take a foot fetishes any day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's been a rough year for like, uh, like that whole, all the Brian Singer stuff and yeah. Um, I mean, actually, it seems like every year is kind of a rough year. <laughs> every year we find out more and more uh, gross stuff about uh, famous people. Although, okay, so I apparently there was a big leak of emails, a big Sony leak, right? Yeah, and I haven't been following that much because I just I I don't really care, and it seems rude to read people's emails. Right. But I did see one that was a a an email from Channing Tatum. And it's so good. It was on Gawker, and it was like it was his email in response that um, uh, Twenty Two Jump Street had been the had was the new second uh, grossing R-rated movie of all time, or uh, on on release. And he was like, and he was like, and it was de- dethroning Ted because Ted had previously been it the the mm-hmm. Seth MacFarlane talking bear movie, and he and his his email was fuck you, Ted. Second of all time, and then ha 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 all caps, and like <laughs> like on Gawker, I like I like you scroll down like six times, and it's still ha 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 ha, and I'm like, oh my god, Channing Tatum, I like I want to pay Channing Tatum and Chris Pratt to just like hang out and like I, I like I don't think I'd have to pay them to wrestle. I feel like if I just put them it in a room happen. together, it would they would just be like two golden retrievers like fighting over a stick. <laughs> My wife literally was like, she was talking about that. She's like, Channing Tatum, he's like a golden retriever, but in a good way. There's no bad way to be a golden retriever. Yeah, hang on. 
Well, I guess, you know. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting my Mr. Peanut Butter feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking that, like, there's, if there's a, if there's a, like, live action with CGI, uh, Bojack Horseman, it should, it should have Channing Tatum voicing Mr. Peanut Butter. No, it has to be Paula Tompkins, you idiot. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you clawed. You're, you're kind of, you're kind of missing the full Mr. Peanut Butter appeal. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what I'm getting out of this is I should definitely watch BoJack Horseman. You should so watch BoJack Horseman. It's hot so take. good. Eh. <laughs> Wait, did you did you watch it? No, no, I didn't. Oh, uh, this is he's being he's being a pill. Okay, hey, you know that guy who he he was going to achieve Nirvana, but then he decided not to achieve Nirvana to help other people achieve Nirvana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm that guy, but for BoJack Horseman. Just watch BoJack Horseman. <laughs> I feel like I feel I have the, that responsibility in my friend group with Neil Stevenson novels is to read them <laughs> to let them know whether or not they should read them. Well, actually, in Bojack Horseman, Paul F. Tompkins plays a golden retriever who is like a man, and I want to marry him. And I guess that makes me furry now, and I'm okay with it. We've already got the followers. We do. We're we got a we got a growing furry audience. Hi guys. Hi guys. Um, I mean, I was a huge fan of Redwall when I was a kid. I haven't read that. I've I haven't read, read that either. Well, you should read some of them. Oh, oh that does remind me. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but oh. when we we were hanging out all IRL on uh, on Friday, and I have uh, I have uh, headcanoned Mark's persona to be a Pine Martin, and mm. uh, and I uh, some of our part, and this was after you left, Mark, and and, and uh, some of them were like, oh yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that does sound right. And I did a Google image search for Pine Martin, and I brought up the the exact picture that I showed you, Mark. And they were like, "Oh my God, that does look just like Mark." <laughs> the one where the Pine Martin looks extremely concerned about what it's doing for women of color. <laughs> but go on um, about Red. Uh, oh no, go on about Redwall. I'm pouring myself some more wine. Yeah, no, they get um, they get kind of repetitive towards the end. Um, but Brian Jakes is a very he's a great talent for describing things. He's just like. And then it comes partly because he read he wrote the first book for children. He was a milkman, and he would deliver milk to a school for blind children. And he wrote the first Redwall book for them. Aww. And and a friend of his was like, "Are you considering publishing this?" And he was like, "No, like you know, whatever." And his friend, without telling him, took his manuscript to a publisher, and the publisher was like, "We would like five. Could you could we publish this? And could you write like four more of them?" And, um, and, and yeah, so they're like, like when I was a kid, they were like, I didn't read the Lord of the Rings probably until, you know, middle school. Um, and I didn't finish it until halfway through middle school. And they were like the first chapter books that I really, you know, back when you, when you being a kid who read chapter books on your own was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the first like chapter books that I got really into and really into the series. I'm like, yeah, you know, mice with swords. Like, yeah. All right. So, so tell me uh, up front, what are the what are the problematic elements about Redwall? <laughs> well, it's a, it's pretty slight on female representation. Although when when called out on it, um, Jake's did he was like, hey, the people were like, hey, you've never had a female protagonist in a Redwall book, and he wrote Marielle of Redwall, which is the Redwall book I've read at least eleven times. Oh. Like I'd read, I read it like eleven times by the time I was ten, you know, just over and over and over again. 
And um, and then somebody was finally like, well, you, you still, you haven't had any female characters who've, you know, wielded the, the sword of Martin the Warrior, which is a big, like, sort of historical weapon that immediately marks a character as a hero and the hero of the book. And so he wrote a book where, um, where a female character wields the sword of Martin the Warrior. And, and there's... Oh, you haven't written a book where there's a lot of kissing? <laughs> Generally, not a lot of kissing in romance. Um, I'm just thinking, he's answering fan demands. I kind of know where these go. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's not. Um, then the books don't generally give a lot of um, cultural markers to the characters. Um, like they're clearly in like it's pre- predominantly European animals. Um, like, there's a beaver mentioned a couple of times in the fir- very first book, but the rest of it's, you know, you get badgers, you got your various weasels, you have rats, um, and, and owls, and, oh, I'm sorry, I just flashed back on, um, in fourth grade, you know, this is, I'm gonna come back around, this will come back around. In fourth yeah. grade, you, you do your spelling things, and one of your, some of your spelling stuff is rhyming words, right? You know, like, come in today and ri- find a bunch of words that rhyme with the words on the spelling list this week. And I came in and on my list was the word vole, V-O-L-E. You know, it's a tiny mammal. Yeah. And my teacher, who was very strict and annoying that year, did not think that was a word. <sighs> there's, no, there's nothing more indignant than a nine-year-old who knows that they are right and the did teacher... You, did you march to a dictionary? Um, I think the dictionary that we had either didn't have it in it or she refused to look it up in a dictionary. Oh. And of course, was like, well, she was like, well, where? I was like, it's a word. Like, I've read it in books. And she was like, what books? And I said, the Redwall books. And she said, well, what are they about? And then I had to be like, um, talking woodland creatures. And that was it. It was over. As soon as it was like, oh, oh, is it in a book where magic things happen? Oh. Yeah. I never, you know, probably fake. Uh, I have I have my I'm the thing I'm still bitter about and it's something like that. It was we were doing uh, in tenth grade we were doing thirty days to a more powerful vocabulary as like our vocabulary in English the the whole year or whatever, and um, we had we had to write sentences using vocabulary words and I had one that was maudlin the word maudlin, and I wrote uh, as my example sentence um, when I drink too much wine I become maudlin, and my teacher did not accept that, and I'm like. <laughs> Bullshit. I've read enough Highlander fanfic to know that is fact. <laughs> oh, boy. Highlander. Yeah, that's one that I'm like, I love it, but I'm not going to, uh, it's not, I'm not going to be like, okay, Mark, now when you're done with Deep Space Nine, start watching Highlander. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember um, back when we I think first, at the point at which we our television started getting the Sci-Fi Channel, um, was still when they were running like everyday episodes of Forever Night in syndication. <laughs> <laughs> and Forever Night is just a beautiful product of '90s television. So bad. Are you familiar with Forever Night? At I Walmart? am not. Uh, it's about a vampire. Is it's it? About a- and, and it's Canadian vampire. It's Forever Night with a K. Well, he's not. He's not originally Canadian. <laughs> oh, but now he was it yeah, set in Canada? Was it? I believe it was set in Canada. 
I might be wrong. It might have just been filmed in Canada. Like everything was. Like how... Uh, the weird thing about Highlander, it was like, it was a joint French-American production. So half of the episodes were filmed in Paris and the other half were filmed in uh, the, the city of uh, what they called Seacouver. So it was like half Seattle, half Vancouver. Oh my god. That's where, that's where, that's where Duncan McLeod had his dojo. <laughs> uh, so it's right up there with, uh, with Fransokyo, Big Hero 6. Oh, that I like. Yeah. No, I, I quite like Big, Big Hero 6. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I desperately want to. Yeah, no, it's super cute. Because uh, the, the little boy, the little boy in it looks just like my nephew, and it makes my heart go bump bump. Yeah. So sweet. Um, but yeah, Forever Night is about a um, a vampire police detective who works the night shift. <laughs> right, right, as he would. <laughs> and and every episode, he encounters something in the present that harkens back to some point in his. Hundred years of life, and his uh, his the I believe Forever Night was where I learned the term sire in the context of vampires. <laughs> his, his sire is like has been alive since ancient Greece and like runs a nightclub. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I love nineties vampire bullshit. Oh yeah. god! I okay. This is I, I wish the people who made um the Shadowrun games. Would uh-huh. make like Vampire the Masquerade games too. <laughs> that would make me super happy. Actually, I would like a crossover between Shadowrun and Vampire the Masquerade. All right, I'm done. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that wouldn't be too hard. No, I think it'd be really good. I um, uh, I went to Oberlin. I'll give you my Vampire the Masquerade story. I I, I went to Oberlin um, for college, and um, I was in the marching band, which meant that my entire social circle was marching band. And by marching band, I mean, like, Oberlin's marching band in our best semester while I was there had 21 people in it. Um, we purchased our uniforms on eBay from the University of Nebraska for either either 400 uniforms for $2 each or 200 uniforms for $4 each. I don't remember which one. And we kept them all in the attic of the student union building. And whenever we didn't have any in the band room, which is this, like, tie, like, glorified closet um, that fit new people, we would have to go up to the attic, fit them, and then seam pick the University of Nebraska logo off of it. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my social circle, and it overlapped just enough with the nerds at Oberlin. I knew a bunch of nerds. So I knew almost no one at Oberlin, even though it was a very tiny school. And um, Oberlin has a bi-weekly Vampire the Masquerade LARP. Ah, yes. Um, that I had, that I had a number of um, good friends who participated in it very heavily. And for a few years, he will never hear this, and if he ever does, he, I won't tell him that I am saying this, because he will be mortified. Um, but uh, my college boyfriend, who I dated for two years, was the prince of uh. Vampire LARP. Um... And I'm, I'm heavy into tabletop role-playing. I love it. I, I cannot, like, I just can't do LARPing. It's not my thing. Um, I can't be on all the time. I have to, I have to be able to make snarky out-of-character con- comments. Um, and, uh, yeah, it worked out great for me when I was in college because every two weeks I got to see him in a suit because that was his costume. Um, and Is he a Vontru? He was one of, the, I don't, he was one of the, he was a Malkavian. Oh. Because um, mental illness is hilarious. Well, his he had a very um, he had a very good trick to his mental illness, 
which was um, uh, nobody, everybody knew he was a Malkavian, but none of the characters could figure out what his derangement was. Mm. Um, and his, his background was in the military, like ex-CIA agent kind of thing, and his costume was a suit and an earpiece that he didn't have connected to anything, but... Um, and the the truth of his derangement was that um, sometimes he was talking to people on his earpiece, and sometimes he wasn't. There you go. A little bit of voices. Yeah, and uh, and there's a one point one point in college he was talking about the plans he put in effect for um, the last game of the season of the semester. Um, and he was like, so plan A is you know this, and plan B is this, and then I really hope we don't have to resort to plan C. And I was like, why? What's plan C? And he said, plan C is the helicopters. There are no helicopters. <laughs> oh. Like, Edgar has reinforcements that he will call in. They do not exist. Oh. Um, I had a, a, a friends. This is just reminding me of college LARPing. Yeah. The, um, I, I, I have some LARP background, uh, but mostly when I was like a teen. I think I, I, I've done, I've LARPed. I've LARPed. We've all we've all oh, larked a little man. This is this is this is what happens when I drink wine during the podcast. I'm like, Mr. Peanut Butter is hot. Let me tell you about my larping. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, to a friend, this is when she was, you know, twenty, and she is older than that now. She and her and her friends all um they did av- an Avatar: The Last Airbender larp. Ooh. Okay, that's. I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know about it, but I just know that they were all white kids. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? And how are you doing it? And it, none of you know martial arts. <laughs> I think it involved, I don't know. You just wanted to wear costumes. They're probably some, some beanbags. Oh, yeah, the beanbags. Yeah, all of my LARPing, it was more of the, uh, the Vampire the Masquerade style where nobody was having combat. We were just having feelings at each other. Yeah, and you rock, paper, scissors. And... I guess it was more like long-form improv. <laughs> oh, okay. In the, the, the Overland's LARP was based on the tabletop game. I guess they all are. But um, instead of dice, the way they would adjudicate checks is rock, rock, paper, scissors. So challenging somebody to rock, paper, a nerd to rock, paper, scissors at Overland was like fraught with all kinds of... <laughs> Like, there are a lot of nerds that Overland took rock, paper, scissors very seriously. <laughs> There's a lot of different, like, you always, when you're going to do rock, paper, scissors with someone, you have to, like, lay down. It's like, okay, are we are we doing on three, or are we doing after three? Or yeah. is it one, one two, two, three, shoot? One, or is it one, two, two three? Yeah. Yeah. I have never up. LARPed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so alone. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever been to a Renaissance fair? I have actually okay. So I you went just a few of, months ago. I yeah. no, I didn't end up going. Oh, I know. Uh-huh. I felt bad. Um, actually, I did sort of LARP once, which is in Montreal, which is where I finished my undergrad. Uh, every week, there's something called the Tam Tams, which is literally an enormous, like several thousand person drum circle that happens in sort of the central park in Montreal, and uh, there's a back field where people do like. Well, the thing is, it wasn't, like, formalized LARP, because it wasn't based off of any, um, it was just fi- people fighting with foam weapons. Oh, well, that I've done. Yeah. Boffin. Is Boffer that, swords. Is that what it's called? Um, yes. Then, yes, I did that once, 
and was very bad at it. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, um, I've I've definitely gone in the backyard and 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 walloped on my friends with a with a boffer sword. But we were we were being characters at the time. We were just being teenagers hitting each other with with yeah. pipes. I think there's yeah. there's a there's a big mix there between people who are like people who are like they are specifically acting out characters and mm-hmm. like people who are high and have like like <laughs> pool noodles that they're using. Yeah. Um, well, we could dovetail we this into Star Trek if you guys wanted, because that's a fictional universe where LARPing is the primary form of entertainment. You're right. Yes. Well, we don't like talking about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I haven't seen any of DS. The only Star Trek series that I have watched an appreciable amount of is Voyager. Really? Um, which, which puts you, you're, a bit of a, you're a bit of an outlier. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed Voyager. And I always tell people, like, oh, I'm watching Star Trek Voyager, and they would go, they would go oh, no. <laughs> like, like, I had just told them, that, like, my dog died or something. They're like, oh. They're like, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going like, to be all right. I don't understand what you guys are talking about. I love this show. But I, I, I think the um, funny thing was I had never heard of Enterprise until, like, two weeks ago. And what? I mentioned it online, like, I saw something, I was on, like, the memory alpha, looking up stuff on Deep Space Nine, and something was mentioned from, like, like Oh, I've ruined you, Mark. I've and I was like, you. the memory alpha, where I hang but out You're, you're now time. looking up stuff on memory alpha. <laughs> um, yeah. And I was like, I was like, how did I never hear about an entire Star Trek franchise? And, and I mentioned it on Twitter, and people were like, oh, we don't talk about Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> I, wa- I tried to watch Enterprise. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah. I did like that they had a linguist on staff because yeah. you know they hadn't invented the universal translator or whatever. Here's something that I find comical about about Enterprise is that they were like, like <coughs> original yeah. series, Captain's a white guy. Next generation, Captain's a white guy. Uh, Deep Space Nine, Captain's a black guy. Voyager, Captain's a lady and or a white woman. And then they're like, and back to white guy again. <laughs> Well, it is. It is happening even earlier in time. That's true. He should actually be like a pope or a king, <laughs> space king, Scott Bakula. Oh, I would elect. I would elect Scott Bakula as space king. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was flipping channels at my parents' house because they have real television. Um, a few years ago, and. I flipped into the middle of an Enterprise episode, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll watch this. And I watched it to the end, and I was like, you know, that wasn't that bad. Like, I don't know why people didn't like that. Like this, like this show, it's not that bad. And then a ne- another episode of Enterprise came on, and the theme song started playing, and I was like, oh, right. This is why people didn't like this <laughs> show. The only, like, I only watched a couple episodes. And, like, the one I saw, like, every time they, like, go on an away mission... Like, they'd have to come back and, like, it was, like, sexy Vulcan would strip down to her sexy Vulcan underpants and they'd have to rub this decontamination gel all over themselves. <laughs> With her sexy Vulcan bitch face. It doesn't seem... It seems like at the point at which you can make decontamination gel, you should be able to make a more... um, a more efficient... Uh, wouldn't we just have UV rays, right? Like we have decontamination rooms. Wouldn't it be great if, like, they came in and then they got like sprayed down with a hose and hit with delousing powder, like they're going into a prison movie? <laughs> like Soviet technicians with long brushes. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then back into their their Starfleet warm-ups to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the next scene, they don't mention it at all. Before, it's just them being sprayed with a hose like dogs. <laughs> They're still wet. They still have, like, some... <laughs> some powder sticking to their ear it's like the powder is like like is like pink or something <laughs> it's, just, it's just mark i don't know if you're familiar with the theme song to star trek enterprise but it has lyrics oh my god it's like it's like a sappy 90s ballad about how and, and, and the lyrics the ly- opening lyrics are in fact it's been a long road getting from there to here and it's just over footage of like the space race. Wait, is that is that Enterprise or Voyager? Enterprise. That's Enterprise. Because that seems more apropos to Voyager. <laughs> no, no, and Voyager is like a nice instrumental track over like the Voyager flying through like nebulas and other celestial. Right. Well, that's that's because by the by the twenty fourth century they have eliminated vocal music and everyone just likes to listen to shitty flutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, and the only vocal op- the only vocal music is Klingon opera. Yes. Yeah. I bet Klingon opera is fucking great. <laughs> There's a my favorite well no. I guess my second favorite episode of Voyagers. My favorite episode is the one where um they're in World War Two, but it's not time travel, it's the holodeck. They've all been given other characters to play in France in World War Two, and Janeway runs a nightclub and wears a white tuxedo with tails. <gasps> and Seven of Nine is the sexy lounge singer. Yeah, no, it's amazing. But my second favorite episode of Voyager is one where the entire crew of the Voyager becomes obsessed with what turns out to be... Um, Holodeck fan fiction written by Tuvok about the crew of the Voyager. Oh my god. And he he didn't, everybody's like, oh my gosh, this story's so great, it's an alternate, like, history of Voyager if we had a mutiny. Um, but there's no ending, how do we find the ending? And, and like, then, like, there's literally, like, a meeting of the bridge crew and superior officers of Voyager to be like, how, what do we do about how the whole crew wants to know the ending to this story? And Tuvok comes forward and is like, I wrote it. And they're like, what the f? Because he's a Vulcan. They're like, what do you, what do you mean you wrote this? And he's like, I meant it as a training exercise. <laughs> I didn't finish it because it became clear that we weren't going to have a mutiny. So I just left it alone. And then Janeway orders him to finish his fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is my big Star Trek theory. Which, like, all Star Trek makes a lot more sense if you realize that everyone you're seeing uh, in Starfleet is a is somebody who is a huge nerd. Because, like, <laughs> so they live in a post-scarcity society. People don't need jobs. So the fact that these people actually got, like, really difficult, high-stress jobs indicates that they're, like, huge nerds. Like, everybody else is back on Earth on the beach drinking pina coladas. And they're the people who are like, you know what I want to do? I want to just, I want to go live on a spaceship forever, but also have to know everything about how to do anything ever. Um, so and it's also like LARP. Yes, <laughs> our one, our the one, the one, uh, like form of like physical exercise we will get is LARPing, and it's kind of it's it's kind of amazing to see like. It, I think that's why I really like it is that like 
everyone that you see is a huge dork. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a great episode of Voyager where they go back in time to the nineties. <laughs> they go back in time to the time in which the episode aired. Um, Sarah Silverman is in it. Oh my god! What? <laughs> yeah, Sarah Silverman is in it. She plays somebody from the nineties. And um, is this during the eugenics wars? Um, no. They they don't do that. It's just the regular nineties. They're like, <laughs> look, they're like, look, when that when that was written, we didn't think we would ever get to the nineties. <laughs> we we thought there would be eugenics wars in the nineties. We 90s. just assumed, <laughs> like, yeah. So we didn't think there would be Star Trek in the nineties. So we'd like you all to pretend that we didn't say that, and instead we're just going to talk about the actual nineties. Um, and um. <clears throat> A couple of the characters are assigned the duty of watching Earth news programs um, on television um, in order to gather information about what's going on and to see if there have been news reports about the Voyager being there because they don't want to fuck up the timeline, even though that is like... Everything everybody always does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and in fact is, is instrumental in the ending of Voyager, which is lame, but spoilers. Um... For a show from the 90s. Um, and the two characters who aren't Federation, like who weren't born within the Federation and who aren't, who aren't, um, who didn't choose to be on, the, or didn't choose Starfleet careers. They're aliens from the Delta Quadrant. Um, there's the Gamma Quadrant. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's the Delta Quadrant. And, um, and they're watching the television and they, like, news programs go off and then it's daytime TV and they get addicted to soap operas. <laughs> and just can't, we can't believe, like, this is so engaging. You know, it's not, like, it's not like that thing where, like, they don't know that it's fiction, but they're just like, this is so engaging, like, we have to know what happens. <laughs> and they're, like, they're, like, two, like, Voyager characters standing behind them just being like, I just, I just can't get into a story without participating in it. <laughs> And my, and my jaw just, like, dropped out of my face. I was like, that's... I, I'm fascinated by this idea. That everyone is so used to only being able to experience media via being in it. Yeah. Oh, my God. By being the main character. It's <laughs> I, it's like, it's either you read Cardassian poetry... Yeah. ...or you LARP. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and the way that, like, you know, like, Captain... You know, like, that some of the, the, the more erudite characters enjoy reading books and enjoy Shakespeare, you know, but that the average Joe of, you know, who's just, you know, enjoying entertainment, that like all that they do is, is stories that are about them or, or about a character that they're playing. Now, I, I know a lot of people are always like, I was like, oh, if there were holodecks, everybody would just be fucking in them all the time. And, um, <laughs> and Deep Space Nine does, you know, it does say, yeah, they are. But I'm thinking, like, the people on the Enterprise, they're all such nerds that they would prefer to be LARPing. Yeah. Yeah. I also And that's like, why everyone thinks Barkley is weird. <laughs> I really like the holodeck episodes on, on the Enterprise because they're, like, because, like, watching Picard be like, ha ha, you're a mall, aren't you? Like, like doing his whole bit, you're like, oh, God, you're, you're so awful. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it really it really when you think about it, it really just like makes you so charmingly humanizing that yeah. you're such goddamn nerds and when you were talking about um you made me think of another favorite uh syndicated show of mine um, 
Uh, no, that was um, that was on uh, Fox and ABC. That was. I'm talking about things that are first run syndication, okay. like Star okay. like Star Trek was. Um, uh, Hercules, the legendary journeys. Ooh. Now there was an episode where they where it was like. Oh, we're going to suddenly this will be in the writer's room and, you know, everybody is playing themselves. And, and, and that, that, cause that, I think every show in the nineties, like every kind of fantasy sci-fi show kind of did one of those. Yeah. And, and well, God, even like Supernatural has done it within the past five years. <laughs> but, um, like it, it had a couple of great scenes that I remember. I haven't seen it in 15 years, but there's a couple of great scenes. I, I remember like where all the writers are lining up near the urinals and they just like slowly start humming the Hercules theme. <laughs> and then there's a bit where they're, they're, you know, kind of spitballing, um, spinoffs and somebody suggests, uh, the show Chimpulees, the legendary monkey. <laughs> and it's just, you know, go shows the little opening thing of like a chimp in dressed up like Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> Oh, no. huh. Zena and Hercules, they were great. Yeah. Have you have you ever watched or gone back to watch recently um the episode of Hercules that introduces Xena? No. Um we'll see we'll see. So last summer I was like, I'm gonna watch Xena. Like I didn't you know, I watched it when I was a kid, like, you know, whenever it was on and whenever I caught it, but I was never like really an obsessive like Xena girl as a child. Um, and, um, and my best friend, uh, warned me, um, she's a lesbian and she grew up on Xena and Tomb Raider and, you know, I was about, I was supposed to say, I wasn't an obsessive Xena girl and I'm like, so you're, you're saying you're not gay. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then she warned me, she said, she said, the thing you need to know about Xena is that it is, it is gayer than you think it is. Um, it's so gay. There's you're you're gonna you're gonna watch it and you'll be like you know I know they couldn't like it was the 90s they you know people have really like read into stuff like they they just you know they couldn't talk about it and you know you know and then you watch it and it's like no like it is not their subtext is text <laughs> so it's it's just it's super gay and um, and I was like okay and I sat down to watch it and I was like well wait a second Xena was a spinoff of Hercules so they must have introduced her in Hercules. Um, so let me find the, epi- the episodes of the first season of Hercules in which Xena appears. The first, <clears throat> the first episode that Xena ever appears in, um, I, I pressed the X button on my PlayStation controller to start it on Netflix. And the very first shot of the episode is, um, Hercules forging a sword. Um, and then the camera pans up across his naked glistening chest to his face, and then they pull out and it's Hercules and Aeolus shirtless holding <laughs> the sword together. And Aeolus is like pumping a bellows up and down. <laughs> Both of those shows were so gay. They, just, they, just, they cut back into Hercules' face and then they pan down his chest again <laughs> to his hands. And then, and then the very next shot is um, Hercules and Aeolus um, brushing the sword, the dagger off, and Hercules giving it to Aeolus like, because it's his now. They made it together. And then the, the episode is Xena, um, she's evil, because that's her whole backstory, <laughs> um, is that she's evil when she's first introduced, is that she's got this army, and she wants to kill Hercules. But before she can attack him with the army, she needs to break his spirit, and she is going to do this by um, dating his best friend. 
And this, his best friend. Yeah, yeah, no, and she, the, the, after, after the scene where, like, she turns Aeolus against Hercules and he does the equivalent of, like, you know, get out of here, I never liked you! You know, <laughs> Hercules goes to a bar and he's to drink away his sorrows, and a, a bystander comes up to him and is like, Hercules, you have to help us, you know, we're farmers in this shitty place. <laughs> that, you know, we're like, we're that, plot device. You have to help us and Kevin Sorbo's line of dialogue is, I can't. I just don't feel strong enough. <laughs> it's really, it's like, it's to have been like put in the context of like, Xena is super gay, don't be surprised by it. And then to go back. Yeah. I, I, I read a I read a good bit of uh, Hercules fan fiction in the 90s. <laughs> I, uh, I spent a lot of my high school internet experience on the forums of godawfulfanfiction.net. <laughs> if you're familiar with that site? Sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, that was where I read, like, there's some sort of epic, like, Calibrian snuff fic, and, like, um, and, uh, I think the first, my favorite, um, when we hire for the Mary Sue, my favorite question to put at the bottom of the job listing to make sure that they read the whole thing is um, describe your earliest experience with bad fanfiction. <laughs> and my earliest memorable experience with bad fanfiction was some Star Wars expanded universe story um, about some sort of Jedi coming of age ritual that involved a force-powered dildo. Ah! So it's a Stephen um, King coming-of-age story. Yes, and then eventually there was lesbian sex in it, and the writer described one character as sucking on the other character's cervix. And the, the write-up of it on the fanfiction boards um, was in the style... I'm after that. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was in the style of Mystery Science Theater. I like, remember those. The, the, yeah, they uh, made the story, and then they would make a joke about it. And um, they quoted that bit from the story, and then just the commentary under it was a line that I remember to this day, which is, lips like a lamprey. Uh, yeah. I, would, I would have to say, uh, my... Uh, if this isn't my first bad fanfiction memory, but it's, it's one of my strongest ones. And I'm a person with a very poor memory, so anytime I do remember this, this kind of thing. It was also a Star Wars fanfiction. And it was uh, uh, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. And it was the first fanfiction I ever read that involved rimming. And it had the phrase, <laughs> the dangerous... Yes, it had, it had the phrase the dangerous the, danger, the dangerous musky taste of ass. Oh no. When How can you want the flavor of onion <laughs> in a dip? Uh, so that's a phrase you can't forget. That's the phrase that pays. <laughs> yeah. No, I really, I really identify with the idea that there's this whole generation of nerds out there who got a better sex education from reading good fan fiction than from anything from school, you know, from their friends, from television. Um, but it's like a very common experience. Um, 
with a lot of people that I know, they're like, yeah, no, I learned about, like, like, fan fiction was where I learned that simultaneous orgasm isn't really a thing. <laughs> like, fan fiction is where I learned about the wet spot, you know. <laughs> fan fiction is where I learned about, like, you know, like, like what actual sex is like. Um, it's quality. I mean, maybe not so much... I, I don't know if, if I'm older than you or if we're the same age or anything, but in the in the '90s, uh, there was a, some some not so good sex in in fan fiction. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, also in I, life, probably. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. more like, but that was more, you know. And then we, you know, climax majestically together at the same time when I, you know, when our members touched. <laughs> oh, Duncan, oh, Mythos. <laughs> All right, I I want to read. I'm gonna read. Uh, just just uh, since since we're talking about sex, how about a party joke? Right. Okay. Yeah, let me find a good one. All right. <laughs> Two successful big business executives met at a trade convention. Tell me, said one, how's business? Well, you know how it is, replied the other. My line is like sex. When it's good, it's wonderful. And when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Huh. <laughs> thematic. Yeah. That's a weird, like... <clears throat> like, that's like... That's a weird excuse for the joke. <laughs> yeah. Like, to put it be like, two businessmen said this joke. <laughs> uh, I've heard that as sex is like pizza. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've had some bad pizza. Uh, this might be our nerdiest episode. <laughs> I th I think it's the nerdiest one since Paul was on. Yeah, yeah. Paul, uh, um, I I I do it professionally, <laughs> I, and i I've, I've it's been delightful. Yes. <laughs> uh, I had a Xena lunchbox in high school. I don't know why everybody thought I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> I there were some episodes was wait was uh Bruce Campbell and Xena? He yes. sure was. Yeah, he had the mustache. He was the king of the thieves. Oh, I can't remember his character's times. name. Yeah, I don't I don't I didn't I didn't actually wind up watching all of Xena. <laughs> I watched I watched the whole first season and then it ended with with an episode that was I was shocked at how boring it was. Um, you'd think that an episode that involved a human woman giving birth to a centaur baby couldn't be boring. <laughs> but no. <laughs> no, it's just, you know. He was Autolycus, King yeah. of Thieves. Oh man, he looked good. Wait, the centaur baby? No, no. no. Bruce Campbell. Bruce I Campbell. wouldn't think that centaurs yeah. would be very good at thievery, just with all the, <laughs> like, clopping. <laughs> like, yeah. That's why you'd be extra, like, if a centaur was a good thief, you'd have to make him king because of yeah. the clopping. Yeah. He can get it. He can get through doors. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> he can pickpocket with his hooves. His I bet he'd, be, he'd, be, he'd be real good at getting turkeys out of the oven. Aw, oh, Jim Knife. Rest in peace, Jim Knife. His one big thing is occasionally he, he gives away his location by just shitting on the floor. <laughs> Uh, good times. That's his calling card. <laughs> <laughs> the king of thieves. Who who robbed this place? It was the, the centaur king of thieves. How do you know? There's a big pile of horse shit. <laughs> With a rose. He was like, like, like a copycat thief, but he just brings a horse in. <laughs> it's like, come on, come on, damn it. 
Make! Make! Ah. <laughs> <sighs> And uh, let's uh, and we're ending the show on a high note. Poor <laughs> <laughs> <Horse>, shit. <laughs> uh, Susanna, it's been an absolutely nerdy delight talking to you. I'm sad. I'm sad. Uh, is there is there anything you would like to tell uh, the world about where where to find you and what you you know you, anything you want to plug? Yeah. Um. Let's see. Well, there's MarySue.com. It's a cool place. Um. If you like Lord of the Rings on calendar dates. You should follow uh, at on this day in Loter. It's L O T L O T R. You know, you know the abbreviation. Yeah. Um, my Twitter name is also hard to spell. It's N E R D G E R H L. And Nerd girl. Out, yeah, and check out Mathem House at mathemzine.com. It is a cool magazine that I am helping with, and I will write for. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you you know where to find uh, find us. It's uh, I haven't seen that on Twitter. I haven't seen that dot com uh, or on the iTunes. You can rate and review. Oh, I had a we got a we got a a, a voicemail from Lizzie this week, and I have completely uh, forgotten how to play it. Uh, but uh, we learned a lot about we learned a lot about um, uh, Dave Thomas and the Wendy's franchise. Um, if you listened to last week, we talked about Dave Thomas's accent, and, and uh, it turns out it's Ohio. It's Ohio. Um, so uh, tell your friends. Uh, make more people listen to this to this podcast, so uh, Mark and I can can retire on that that thick podcast money that I know is just out there. You know, uh, cereal. <laughs> uh, so it's it has been uh, a wonder uh, wonderful for you to come on, Susanna. This was a great time, and I now like really want to like watch. Uh, Zena and uh, uh, New Year's resolution. I'm gonna read more damn. I'm gonna listen to fewer podcasts and read more books next year, <laughs> or more fan fiction next year. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. Uh, I've read all the fan fiction that's that's worth reading. Ah, uh, have you been reading fanfic yet, Mark? No, that was the thing that I wanted to be like. I I've never read fan fiction. Well, there's still time. <laughs> no You're not even thirty yet. Dogs allowed. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally And I will see my dream come alive at last I will touch the sky And I'm not gonna hold me down no more No, they're not gonna change my mind this is this is the the forgotten uh, <laughs> aspect, in, yeah. in that I have forgotten to do it or been too embarrassed to do it. Hey, hey, Susanna, can you sing our theme song? I totally can. Yes. Um, and if you guys want to hear more of me singing, you should check out Choirfly on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let's see. It goes, uh, bum bum bum. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that one yet. It's on my Netflix. I haven't seen that one yet. Best one ever. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Hey, hey. You guys are welcome. <laughs> Quarfly. <laughs> <laughs>